Coming up, we're heading back to the immersive planet of Pandora. Just put on those 3D glasses for a trip down memory lane. It's Avatar, and this is Most Extreme Podcast. Most Extreme Podcast, the show where we discuss and analyze the enigma that is 2000s Navi culture. I'm Alejandro Joaquin. Uh, One Kateka Maya uh, Brett Ellison. Um, sorry, my oh, what is that? My Brett? Navi is really, really basic. It's study I, up on some Navi, Brett. Well, I took I actually took Navi in high school for two years, but it's pretty rusty ever since. <laughs> so, but I still know some oh. of the basic terms, like you know, hello. How are you? Where's the bathroom? Uh-huh. Things like that. You know, the important right. stuff. It was at Where's my... the library? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so really important mm. stuff. But yeah, we are talking the Avatar today. Sivako. <laughs> um, so Sivako. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the other ones <laughs> I know. Not my Ewa, which we all know. Ewa being the spirit. So right. how many mm-hmm. people have turned off the episode by now, Alejandro? I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All the, all the Avatar terms, it's really exciting. So are you excited to talk about it? Silence. Oh, All right. to me? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I don't... Yeah, I like the movie Avatar in a sense, I guess. Oh, but, someone's going to um, have to defend himself. <laughs> definitely liked it a lot more when it came out when I when I was a kid. Because I was probably like 9, 10 when I first saw it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. How old were you, Brett? So Did you watch it when it came out? I had never seen this movie until two days ago. Mm. Wait, wait, what? Yes. <laughs> Hang on. Let's bring in our guest real quick so we can get into this. From Theme Park Stop, yes. Park Stop Podcast, Orlando Park Stop, and also the head ambassador of everything, Pizza Rizzo Online. It's Alicia <laughs> Stell, everybody. Hello. Oh, or should I say Calte? Calte. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Do you okay? Do you guys remember when Ben Stiller at the 2010 Oscars yes. came yes. out in full Navi makeup and then spoke, I guess, in Navi? And then I think he's yeah. like, in translation, this would have been a smarter idea in rehearsal or something similar. <laughs> and then I, I we watched the clip today, and then the funny part of it is the amount of like big Hollywood elite sitting there and not laughing, just like, hmm. Well, I I think the only clap. moment. The only moment that topped that is when um, who was it? I think was it Rebel Wilson and uh, oh James Corden. They came out and made fun James of James Corden for came being out cats. as the yeah. cats, but they came out in full makeup. That's probably the only moment that topped that for sure. Alicia, thank you yeah. for joining us. I'm really excited to be talking <laughs> about Avatar with you. I am excited to be talking about Avatar, like in a positive sense for the first time in a decade. <laughs> yeah, right? It's been so wow. it's been it's been all around the zeitgeist throughout the 2010s and especially, you know, near the end of the 20, uh, 2000s. Um but yeah, mm-hmm. I guess let's get into it cuz I'm really excited about talking about Oh, we're not talking about the last a- 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 airbender everybody. We're talking about Avatar the Blue People one. For people and everyone just tuned out. Everyone tuned out. <laughs> hey, we're getting to the last airbender. Don't worry. We'll get to it one day. Um but yeah, let's get into it. So what is your background on the the movie Avatar? Did you see it in theaters? All right. Not only did I see Avatar 
uh, or James Cameron's avatar, <laughs> as the poster would tell you, in right. theaters, in IMAX, opening night. What? But wow. I do believe it is the first film that I have seen in a theater more than once since, and this is true, Titanic. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Wait, how many times have you a seen Cameron it fan. In, 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 in theaters? I saw Avatar, I believe, three times in IMAX wow. uh, when it came out. It might have been four, and I'm just wow. too ashamed, and I squished mm. that fourth one down because three is okay for some reason. So let's go uh-huh. with three. You come into the middle know- of the movie be like, ah, I like this part. <laughs> I know I saw Titanic three times in theater. Now, now granted, I was in high school. Uh-huh. During the 90s and everyone, it was required that you saw Titanic yes. three times in the, in the theater. It's It was a weird prerequisite uh, if you were a teen at the time. Um, and then this movie was the uh, the next movie I saw. Not counting The Lion King, which like had a re-release. Mm-hmm. Like, so technically right. I did see that twice, but like it had like they had added a song to it. So I guess it's technically different. But yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, was that the 3D re-release? Yes. Yeah, the 3D yeah. re-release. I remember that. I, I can't remember if that was before or after. I'm pretty sure it was before. Or maybe not, because Avatar, and we'll get into it, kicked yep. off the revitalization of 3D as a medium in theaters. Exactly. Yeah. It's so insane now, especially here we are, as people are slowly moving back into the theaters uh, into mm-hmm. 2021 while we're recording this. Um, but seeing, yeah, the 3D renaissance in a way that basically was put into full force because of Cameron. I mean, we had a, a few movies that were kind of testing the waters. I mean, there was Spy Kids 3D. Let's not discount Woo! that. <laughs> but standout yeah, film. It, 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 going back into, it's hard to put yourself in the mindset because mm. it's easy to make fun of Avatar now. And it was easy to make fun of Avatar before it came out. Like, uh, I remember, was it Comic-Con or something? They had, like, a secret preview that no one was allowed to, like, take photos or video of. And all the Mm. reviews said, we just saw 10 minutes of James Cameron's new movie, and it's going to flop so hard. Blue people and cat eyes and, like... Like everyone just made fun of it. Wow. And then it hit theaters and it's like, don't ever discount James Cameron ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he will find a way to take something that even you've seen 10 minutes of and still make it the highest grossing film of all time. Oh, yeah. And I uh, sure, well, sure we're still in that sort of era now with the what four Avatar sequels on our way. Um, right mm-hmm. and now we're at the point where we're making fun of it again and it's like it'll <laughs> never work it's going to be terrible somehow we're going to end up going to the theater it's going to be like 120 frames per second real live holograms no glasses needed <laughs> right. he's going to revitalize theaters and save cinema single-handedly and everyone will still be like well the third one's gonna suck <laughs> right <laughs> the way of water come on <laughs> Well, I mean, to kind of get into a little bit, I mean, with even with your profession in terms of, you know, journalism uh, is very much even with the theme parks of, I mean, when it was first announced, people were like, what? That old movie? And then the minute it comes Mm -hmm. out, everybody, you know, 
it blows everyone's minds. <laughs> Every, everyone's like, I can't believe it's taking five years for Disney to make this stupid land. <laughs> no one wanted based on a movie. No one thinks about anymore. And then as soon as the land opened, it's like Flight of Passage has four hour waits. Right. And I just want to go on it. And I just got my Pongu Pongu right. snack and my Satuli <laughs> bowl. And it's like, yeah, it's almost as if like it's it's strange it's like we can make fun of titanic but at the same Mm -hmm. time it's an amazing movie and james cameron is an amazing filmmaker despite Mm -hmm. the fact that we make fun of all his stuff he's a billionaire right (laughs) yeah he's such a rich guy it's not fair like i don't james cameron doesn't do what james cameron does for james cameron james cameron does what james cameron does because he is james cameron absolutely but the weird thing is that after he made titanic he wrote he started writing avatar so the minute that comes out he's like i've got it i know what i'm gonna do so he writes an 80 page treatment and then is basically Mm -hmm. just trying to put it together and then you know realizing oh you know what my vision for this my opus in many ways is gonna cost more than i thought uh and then it's like i'm gonna start this and maybe in like 99 97 he's not entirely sure but then he's like you know what I don't think the technology is there for what I want to be doing with this mega film. Um, I want to believe I want to believe that 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 whole fable that we tell ourselves that the, the is not actually the truth. I know it is. Sure. But like, I want to believe that the reality is he just wanted to m- wait until we were further away from Dances with Wolves and Ferngully. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like it was too close. It was the same decade as Ferngully. And we're like, OK, well, maybe I'll wait 20 years and mm. then people will forget Ferngully existed. And then like the last samurai comes out. He's like, dang it. That's it too how did the all these white savior (laughs) movies keep coming out um but yeah no it's so weird because he was the one who was like i don't know because i want to be able to what she does really well in the film after seeing it two days ago is that world building that he's able to do with the Mm -hmm. motion capture and the technology is like i don't know Mm -hmm. of a movie that to this day that's able to capture that as well it's it's a it's like almost an entirely computer generated movie or at least ever all the pandora shots like completely computer generated movie but mm-hmm. instead of computer control like like clicking a mouse to move the camera the man's holding a weird virtual camera on his shoulders yeah, right. and running around a yeah. sound stage in a virtual yeah. space it's the first augmented reality directed film that's mm-hmm. it, yeah. that's what's insane about it like the flying scenes or feels like they're really being shot because he's just like running around in an empty room like a child with a with a toy plane, <laughs> and that's how he shot it, and it actually works. Right? Because the crazy. So, Go ahead. I was just say it's so funny because the the new Lion King movie that came out, they were like for some reason boasting about the fact that they did that same thing about the shooting it with the virtual reality camera, but like. James Cameron was doing it like eight years earlier than them. I mean, he invented it. Yeah, (laughs) he invented it. He he'd also been working for years on the 3D technology and Mm -hmm. like he didn't just bring 3D like the fad back. He literally brought 3D back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, didn't he do a Titanic like theatrical release documentary that was shot in 3d using a new technology. Yeah, he did. I think it's called like ghosts of the abyss and then aliens, the deep are like two documentaries that he used to like basically fund avatar, um, and to show off what he could do with 3d. And those are like museum IMAX films. They weren't like, you know, they're not action adventure films really. Right. Right. 
And also because he's obsessed. I mean, that's what the sequel is going to be. It's like, look, now we're underwater again because he loves to drown his actors. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so he's got that. He's got his little sub. He's like, all right, guys, keep going. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, meanwhile, meanwhile, they're all going, blah, blah, can't breathe, can't breathe. James, <laughs> help me. Um, he's like, I'm an expert. I've been doing this since the 80s. It's fine. <laughs> Um, but so it, a lot of the things that we saw, like during the progression of the 2000s, is that he he cites all the creations of computer graded, computer generated characters like, like Gollum in the Lord of the Rings or like King Kong, mm-hmm. like Peter Jackson or like Davy Jones, which still holds up, I think, um, to these days. Is that oh, like, yeah. oh, see that stuff. Oh, I'm able to, I think, use that technology and see how impressive we're getting to make Avatar. And 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 not just like the characters, but. It, I, it's hard to believe the world is 3D generated too. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's the like, thing that yeah. I was watching. I was like, oh, well, of course people want to go to Pandora after this. Yep. It, it's it's so believable in the way that it's done that you kind of like you. OK, the, the big tall cat people, obviously those are fake, but those trees are real, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All the Hallelujah Mountain stuff is like that's that's real, right? But the funny thing is that when the 2000s are going on and Cameron's like, you know, I'm seeing this motion capture technology. I don't think it's ready yet. We have Robert Zemeckis in 2004 who's like, no, it's ready and makes Polar Express and makes maybe one of the most <laughs> uncanny film, like uncanny Valley films I've ever seen to this day. I, it, it's still just you saying it is so haunting. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like immediately I'm filled with like a f- series of dread and like I, 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 it makes, yeah, it's, it's so there didn't, didn't Spielberg make one too or something. Isn't there a Tintin the, one? The Tintin one. I yeah. Think, I think Tintin Although, came out after Avatar, yeah. but it was like, it's it, not as, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has these, more of a like cartoonish style. Right. It has a cell so shading it, thing going to it, so it's not as right. terrifying. But at the same time, yeah. it's also terrifying. It is. I it's, saw that in IMAX 3D. A, ooh. <laughs> but there's some like but but Avatar and like let's I want can we can we talk a little bit about the culture uh, and and the very short window of time when people were literally depressed that they couldn't <laughs> yeah. live in Pandora. Yes. Like there was articles coming out and it's like people like are clinically depressed because they can't go back to Pandora. And everyone questions why years later Disney would buy the rights for a theme park. Uh, right. I, I think it's pretty clear. <laughs> right. Exactly. De- yeah. Definitely like one of those movies where because of a theme park you really see the immersiveness of it because all all the plants and all the trees um and i guess we'll talk more about the the land of it because there's a lot of cool stuff about it a little bit later i I think i i read earlier um this week that the studio or one of the executives was watching like a rough cut of the movie before it's finalized and it's like do we really need this extended flying sequence (laughs) <laughs> like, do, and it reminds me of all the way back to like um, somewhere over the rainbow in the Wizard of mm-hmm. Oz, and it's like, do we really mm-hmm. need this? It's slowing down the movie. It doesn't progress the story, and it's like I can't imagine that movie without that song. I can't imagine this movie without the flying sequence because that's mm-hmm. really the reason that that's the reason he wanted to make it. He had a dream that he was flying. It's like the first line of the movie. When I close my eyes, I dream of flying. It's like, how do you cut out the thesis of a movie? Uh, but that's movie executives for you, exactly. and we wouldn't 
have like flight of passage at Animal Kingdom uh, at Walt Disney World Resort if it wasn't for the flying sequence. I just remember going to Best Buy in like 2011 and it would be in all that scene would be in all the HD <laughs> 3D TVs or like sound yep. systems played. Um, yep. I can hear the yeah. score in my head right exactly. this moment. Uh, uh, rest in peace, James Horner. Amen. Uh, the thing that I, yeah, the one thing we were talking, yeah, I, every time I went to a sharper image, they were like, to show off the Bose headphones, we're going to show yeah. the Banshee <laughs> flying scene, like anytime you went anywhere to yep. show off any tech. Um, and then even when that, that fad that kind of was sparked by Avatar of 3D TVs that people never wanted, um, yep, yep. was <laughs> like, well, to show off this television you're not going to buy, we're going to show the Banshee scene, you know, like, Ugh. I <laughs> own... The Avatar Blu-ray, the first one that came out that has no special features is just the movie. Okay. The second one mm. that came out that has the the, the DVD Blu-ray and the Blu-ray special features and the auto commentary, everything you can think of. And then he put out the special edition, the special edition in 3D. I do not Whoa. own a 3D television, right. but I purchased <laughs> the 3D version just in case. Um, and I think I've only seen the special edition twice and I've seen the regular movie. Oh, let's go with 12 times. Let's just be mm, fair. Right. I, wanna, I, I need some credibility left in this world. <laughs> um, but the special edition, I like it better. Mm. <laughs> the, the movie's mm. already what? What's the runtime of this movie? 230. Uh, the special edition, I think, is three hours. Oh, Whoa. Uh, it adds at least 20 something minutes to it. And it really helps flesh out the story. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm one of right. those people. I'm like, <laughs> you really do need that extra, like, five minutes in the beginning. And you do, like, to to learn. Like, it shows all this futuristic, mm-hmm. like, Blade Runner stuff of the planet, like, Earth. And I'm like, I can't believe he cut that out. Like, that's James Cameron for you. We're like all the the work and effort that goes into creating a futuristic city and this like extended scene in a bar and it's like gone cut. Um, but then later there's like weird war geopolitics going on where the Navi actually starts the war, but he cut it out maybe because they're the good guys and we don't want to actually make it look like they're the bad guys. Right. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like, it's back and forth tit for tat. Like they do a little thing here and then they do a little thing here. And it's like, well, you came to our land. So we're going to go ruin your, you know, tractor, uh, from Ferngully. Uh, but he ended up cutting that out. He cut out a love story between the side characters. That stuff really fleshes out the movie. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the one thing I was watching the film, uh, a lot of the stuff that Dr. Augustine sets up with like, Oh, I started this school with a Navi to teach him science, blah, blah, blah. That stuff in the theatrical cut is like all in the background. And I didn't, I hear a lot yep. of the extended cut explains like, Oh, I started a school, blah, blah, blah. Cause this is stuff. I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? I'm only seeing yeah. this stuff through like pictures. It's, it's important. Like they had to leave it in. Sentence. Cause it's the only, it's, um, that's how they learned English. That's how, uh, Neteri learned English. So they had to leave right. at least a line in there about her trying to start the school and everything. Uh, but yeah, it's explained more in the <laughs> special edition. Right. Oh, I think this movie's budget going into like I probably saw all the stuff mm-hmm. they cut. I think was something like two thirty-seven million. This is two thousand nine, and also mm-hmm. one fifty just for the promotion alone. So wow. I can totally understand why a lot of that skepticism from the studio and then also just from fans of being right, like, right. especially before Comic Con, being like, I don't know what he's making, but I know it's expensive. 
Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, and it made only a modest two point eight billion dollars at the box office, <laughs> which is so weird right. in today's terms, because now it's like, oh, Solo, a Star Wars story bombed because it only made two hundred million dollars the first weekend. Right. And you're like what? <laughs> And it really reminds me of living through the Titanic fiasco, because for context, when Titanic was being made, there had been multiple water based failures throughout the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> not just Waterworld, but um, oh, what was the Pirates movie? There was a pirate movie that had done terribly and it scared Hollywood about making boat movies forever. And then they did Waterworld and that bombed so badly because it costs so much to make. Uh, even though Waterworld's not a bad movie, it just costs too much to make. It's got a good ride. And then was it, <laughs> it shipwrecked? No. no, is it? Is it Cutthroat Island? Yes, it is Cutthroat Island. I almost Cutthroat was like, Island. it's not Muppet Treasure Island, because if that's... No, <laughs> that is a success. That is the best <laughs> That is the best pirate movie ever made. Um, no, I think it was Cutthroat Island. In, okay. You guys, Muppet and Treasure Island is like my favorite piece of fiction. I can't... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it, yeah, it, like, no one wanted... I think, didn't he have to, like, put up his own money to make Titanic? And everyone was like, it's going to be... Yeah. Like, Titanic's going to sink the, the film mm-hmm. industry and all these, like, headlines and stuff. And then... You know, 20 years later, the exact same, not even 20, like 10 years later, right? Yeah, 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The exact same story happens and everyone's like, but okay. The 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 sequels to Avatar have been postponed quite a bit. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I'll give them that. It doesn't, doesn't look good. It uh, I can understand the trades saying like, will this movie ever come out? Uh, I remember the Halloween Horror Nights joke about... Uh, ongoing joke at the Bill and Ted show every year about right. the Pandora land. And it's like, uh, you know, a- a- Avatar, uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar opening in 2029. If anybody still gives a crap, yeah. like I, 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 I understand the running joke, but then right. this stuff opens. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Well, the one thing is that so much of this movie made so much money, not just by marketing, but just by the hype of like, all the marketing, nothing could actually explain what you were in for you. And the amount of friends who were just like, you just got to go see it. Like, I can't explain what I saw, um, which got people into right. the theater. It's easy to make fun of. It's like, oh, unobtainium. I wonder if that's hard to obtain. <laughs> like, it's super easy to make fun of. Giovanni Rabisi is like silly. OK, that is that leads me to I wrote this on my notes in 12 minutes in has my least favorite trope in cinema. I think Giovanni Rabisi is doing a fun job in this movie. But to show that we have an antagonist, we show them playing golf on the job. That is up there with in terms of that is up there with terms of somebody washing their face with the sink and then looking up to the mirror. Someone putting themselves in a fetal position in the bathtub. That is put, like it's like one of the biggest tropes. And I'm like, how, why is this in every movie now? Um, I like James Cameron making sci fi. Uh, like, okay, Terminator 2 is one of my favorite films of all time. I think that's what made me fall Mm -hmm. in love with James Cameron as a filmmaker because he took what could have been a silly sequel and did its own thing. And I like when he does future stuff because I feel like it's subtle. Like um, Sigourney Weaver's character smoking a cigarette. It's subtle, but it's like 
wow, we're still smoking in the future. Okay. Um, (laughs) Or like, what's his face? The the military guy, the bad guy, talking about how he could have had his scars removed, but he chose not to. Like, (laughs) because technology, we can go across the the universe. Of course, he can just get his scars fixed. Uh, Giovanni Rabisi, I want to believe he's like 97 years old. Right. And he's an executive at a high level, like off world mining company. And he's playing golf, but he like looks like just like a like a punk 20 something year old. I want to believe he's (laughs) so healthy from money that he (laughs) looks young. And that's like that's why it's clever casting. Yeah. No, I think in terms of uh, in terms of a lot of the acting in it, which uh, to what works for me is, yeah, the people like Sigourney Weaver um and giovanni rubisi all the side characters that really do a good job of just being the cartoonish part of the show um Mm. where it doesn't work for me and maybe this is just my opinion is like sam worthington i don't think does a great job as jake scully Scully. i I feel like he is playing the audience surrogate and it's almost like Kristen stewart's character in twilight Mm. where they don't have to give these characters character because we are them and we put ourselves into them and him not acting well almost plays into the way that he he portrays no one and nothing therefore he is us we are He's the Jake hollow Sully. show exactly <laughs> Kristen Stewart's not a bad actress they just didn't write anything for her to do because we are experiencing the world through her eyes in twilight that's a good example yeah. That's because the weird thing was, is like, I'm just like, man, I really don't care about this, but the world is really cool. And I'm, I wasn't, I'm not against Avatar sequels, but I am kind of against the fact that they're just going to continue the Jake Sully, uh, like storyline. I'm like, but I don't just show me more Pandora. <laughs> like, I mean, that's what, that sounds more interesting to me. If you go back and watch the original Star Wars and I'm not like big into Star Wars, but to me, it's like mm-hmm. Han Solo is awesome. But we see the world and we're introduced to it through Luke Skywalker, who's Mm kind of bland. And I (laughs) and like I I hate to say that because we've put so much like into that character in our brains. But if you go watch the original movies, like there's nothing really to him. Yeah, he's (laughs) pretty whiny. I was. Yeah, he's he's not great in that first one for sure. Right. And yeah. I think that's what this is. It's not the Sam Worthington is playing us and we are you have to explain. We need all the exposition. It's like here, this is an avatar and we use the avatar program to like sync up with the Navi. If it was some like badass guy who knows everything, mm-hmm. we, we wouldn't be entered into the world very well. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. Especially following him becoming an avatar. Which part of me, I guess if we're speaking Spy Kids 3D knowledge, would have been, like, the best time to be like, all right, everybody, put on your 3D glasses. Um, <laughs> I guess that's also theme park logic, too. But Tr- um, Tron Legacy, you're in the theater. They yep. have to put a warning at the beginning because it's like, the beginning of this movie is not in 3D. It's like, can you imagine if you <laughs> yeah. go to, like, Wizard of Oz in the 30s and it says, like, the beginning of this movie is in black and white. Like, they, they, <laughs> you shouldn't have to give that warning for an artistic choice. Like, oh, we're entering the grid. That's really cool. It's now it's 3D. Right. No. Right. So what works, what are the big things that work for you, Alicia, in terms of, like, why made this movie stands out to you as one of your favorites? Um... I I love science fiction that is somehow grounded and yet not at all. 
Like it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird tightrope to walk where like, yeah, there's cyborg, like, uh, you know, uh, robots coming from the future to, to murder people. And it's a simple concept, but it's also really complicated. And that's why Terminator 2 is amazing. It's like, right. it's just a right. chase. It's a long movie chase sequence, but with all this sci-fi stuff. And that's what this is. This is like, a. A very simple story told with way too much complexity. And that's why I love it. <laughs> Are you big on 3D? How do you feel about 3D just like in general? Oh, I've always loved 3D. I, I, I think the first 3D movie I ever saw was Magic. Uh, is it Magic Journeys? Yeah. at uh, Ep- Is it Epcot? It does it, or? it. It started at Epcot, but I saw at Magic Kingdom, which is now mm. Philhar Magic. Um they had that like uh, uh, Mickey's uh, review or something with like a thousand animatronics all singing. Yeah. And by the time I remember going to Magic Kingdom, they replaced that with a 3D movie just as like a to put something in there that's cheap. And it was like the Epcot movie. And that movie's terrifying. Uh, if you've seen <laughs> Magic Journeys, it's got this like 70s song, gets stuck in your head. It's a little haunting cl- clown toys <laughs> come to life and try to murder you. It's just a what? series of like Kodak is, I think it's Kodak showing off a new 3d process mm. and it blew my mind, but also scared the heck out of me. Uh, and then like, I just love going to theme parks because that was the place you could see the real 3d, not the red and blue 3d, but like the real 3d. You yeah. mean the, uh, the Shrek 4d experience, the, the, <laughs> I mean more like, uh, cats and right. Neo and Muppet vision and eventually Terminator 2 3d battle across time. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So T2 3d is great. I I saw Spy Kids 3D because I wanted to see a 3D movie in a theater that isn't a theme park. And I was excited for that. And I was excited for this being in 3D. And I was like, I have to go to IMAX where it's the biggest. Uh, And Mm. I saw like every 3D movie in IMAX afterward because I started to get obsessed with it, too. It doesn't give me a headache. It doesn't bother me. I like mm. 3D. I like 3D rides at theme parks. I love 3D. Uh, I, you know, it'd be cool if they could come out with a way to make it like glassesless or whatever. Right, like but Cameron's talking f- about. Right. But I'm still fine with it. I'm fine with the glasses. They don't bother me. I, I would have a 3D TV at home if I had millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in general, I think what a lot of the reason people were so into this movie was because of how it was made specifically for 3d and not using the post conversion that uh, a lot of people, which kind of that kind of started after avatar because that's the success of that. Everyone's like, well, we got to put everything else out in 3d. Right. And for the first couple of years, I would always look it up. I'm like, which one is converted? Which one is actually shot in 3d? Um, and like, but it, it kind of hinders and hurts movies too. Like Lord of the Rings, um, not shot in 3D, but, you know, they used these really good force perspective shots to make like people look taller or shorter. Then when they went and shot The Hobbit in 3D, they had to do green screens and stuff because you can't do the force perspective because if you shoot it in 3D, you'll know that this person's closer to the camera than they're supposed to be. So it actually ruined The Hobbit, I think. Sure, yeah, no, <laughs> right. sure. By, by shooting for 3D. I think the Marvel films... Uh, did a have done a really well like a good job mm-hmm. of post conversion like they don't shoot those in 3d but they convert them really well but it's getting harder and harder to find 3d in theaters anymore or find people to go with that want to watch it in 3d with you <laughs> so i'm the last like remaining person who cares oh yeah oh. and then you have the the real quote-unquote real 3d 
which was the like cheaper 3D experience, uh, with, with the little plastic glasses. I I was but, fine uh, with I'm fine with real D 3D. I'm fine with real D uh, 3D. Yeah, Dolby's good. IMAX when it's made for 3D, IMAX was the best. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only one I really didn't care for, and it's probably because I just didn't like the movie, was Alice in Wonderland. Oh, I feel like yeah. that was the yeah. beginning of the end for 3D, and that was like right. a, a, a moment when we all started going, wait a minute, not everything needs to be in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because that had... came out months after Avatar. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it was, yeah, and but it still took a good nine years for course correction and the theaters to realize that not, or the studios to realize not everything had to be 3D, but it took us only a couple of months. <laughs> Alejandro, what are your thoughts on 3D? I think that it's like definitely something that I don't know if we just did too much of and it kind of like, like made it. I don't know. It's just because I remember like near the end, like before COVID, like 3D was already like kind of dying out. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know if it was more the price was like really high or if it was just we were kind of 3D'd out. Um, and like you said, like not every movie had to be 3D. I remember it's like Toy Story 3 was in 3D. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, does that really have to be in 3D? I don't know. if, But um but I remember, yeah, it's just kind of dying out. I don't know. What's but, strange is that, like, it happens in waves. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're like the 60s with the red and blue. I think the 60s, it was big in 3D, and then it went away. Then the 80s, it kind of came back just for fun. And we got Jaws 3D. Yeah. Uh, and right. then And then Avatar kicks off the, at the for the 2010s, like at 20, 2009. And it just, it feels like we're on a 20-year cycle. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah, it goes up and down. Um, the funny thing is, yeah, is that we Avatar wasn't like, it was definitely the one that kind of started it. But earlier on, we were starting to see a lot of studios use 3D to make mm-hmm. films. And the big ones that come to my mind are something like Coraline, which came out earlier yep. that year, which is, I think, maybe, I don't know if it's, I, I didn't see Avatar in 3D. I only watched it on my Roku. But <laughs> that is probably some of the best 3D uses I've ever seen in a movie because it just gives mm-hmm. you that feeling of immersion inside the the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other one is Gravity, which I saw in 3D. Oh, which yeah. Yes, a, yeah. A movie that I'm like, it's fine, but, like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Seeing it in 2D, I have a lot of friends like, I didn't get it. I'm like, you had to see it in 3D. I yep. saw that for the first time. I think I might have seen that twice <laughs> in theaters. Now it's, like, a regular occurrence. But back then, I saw that in um, Atmos, in Dolby Atmos in 3D. Wow. So wow. not only were the visuals in 3D, but the audio was in 3D. And whenever it was a, like a POV of her, like seeing out as she's spinning, <laughs> all the audio spins around in the theater with a hundred speakers on the ceiling. Whoa, and it's like wow. perfectly awesome, nauseating. Cause I, I'm in for a good ride. I don't mind. I, I don't get motion sickness. Um, that's, person with me is about to vomit. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's definitely I, the way to watch it. There's so it's so weird. I guess going into theme park kind of stuff. Yeah, it's so weird how like the majority of stuff is 3D, including Flight of Passage. But like, uh, the Forbidden Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey is the thing that gets me the most motion sick than anything else. So, remember when that was in 3D? It started in 3D in Japan, and then they moved it to Hollywood. And um, everyone who worked there that I talked to was like. Uh, uh, we were already cleaning up vomit nonstop, and this <laughs> made it ten times worse. 
Wow. So they took that away real quick. <laughs> have you done that one, Alejandro? No, I don't think I have. Inside I do. Hogwarts? I do get motion sickness, so I can't. Uh, no, I I love it. Yes. It's more, that's the fun part of that is like, I get to go through Hogwarts? This rules. <laughs> um, but then the ride just makes me sick. Um, exactly. What are, is I this had, the the one at Diagon Alley? No, that's uh, Gringotts. Okay, getting oh, back into okay. Avatar. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I 3D was definitely the thing that I just remember so many times we'd be like, around the 2010s 20, 2009 it is so much of mm-hmm. oh we can go to like it's uh you know theaters in north carolina being like oh we could go see it in 2d or we can see it in 3d mm-hmm. and it's always more expensive in 3d and then it's always yep. like i don't know sometimes a nuisance but yeah i mean a, a lot of the like we were saying yeah the the, the 3d thing that kind of definitely started it off because yeah mm-hmm. like you were saying like so much of it is just coming a fad or it's done at you know universal or disney where it's done and like a 10 minutes is probably the most you get um so then right. now that we're getting things like 40x kind of happens after this or yeah mm-hmm. like dolby kind of screens where you have the sound different and then just kind of looking for new ways the weird thing about it is after the success of this, it just feels like I think there's a quote by Cameron somewhere that's like, I want every movie from here on out to be only in 3D. <laughs> and I don't know if that's yeah. everything he makes or there's a diff. There's a <laughs> there's a documentary, I think, produced by Keanu Reeves. It's called like shot for shot. It's just about like the technology changing of how cameras work. And he interviews Cameron. And he's like, I think 3D is the most important revolutionary device in all of cinema cut to immediately like. I think it's like Tarantino or Nolan. They're like, 3D is the worst <laughs> thing that's ever happened to cinema. <laughs> so it's very divisive. Yeah, wow. different points of view. I mean, you know, I saw The Hobbit in the 120 frames per second, and it took some getting used to, but at the same, like, besides the fact that it looks like a soap opera, there right. is something to be said about the not having a blur. And there, there is some benefit to it, especially with visual effects and stuff where you can really take in the artistry of it. And it's, it's a different way of like experiencing a film. And then at the same time, like you, you want to go back and watch something with like some serious film grain and like some depth of color, like 35 millimeter print. Like I understand the points of view that like, this is art, but also this can be art. It doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. one or the other all the time on both sides of the spectrum there. I, I read a quote or I might have I've heard it from a friend or something that said when Steven Spielberg saw Avatar and after the he well, after Jake like makes the connection with his banshee that he like jumped out of his seat and was like, whoa, like just like because like, he's like such a movie fan that he was just like, yeah, so definitely. Yeah, and it can be on all spectrums. That's the kind of feeling I got watching this the first time. It was very late 80s early 90s spielberg where Mm. i'm enjoying this movie like it's very Mm -hmm. rare that i'm in a theater going i'm having a great time you know Mm. i'm sometimes you're in a movie and it's like this is a slog to get through or i appreciate this drama but i'm bored and not with like avatar or jurassic park or something like these are movies where i'm like oh my god this is amazing while it's happening right and even like how big and bombastic this action movie can be, I think a lot of what for me works so much about Avatar is that 
the stillness and the moments that it gives you to just sink in the world of Pandora and the serenity that it brings with all like the different creature right. designs and just like how they've decided like all the bioluminescence at night. Um, and so all of that really gives it that immersion that only you can get in a 3D movie like Avatar. Conspiracy theory. Why does all the animals, why do all the animals have an extra set of limbs except the Na'vi? Are the Na'vi native to Pandora or are mm. they themselves colonizers that came there from another planet? Wow. Alejandro, when we edit this, let's put in the X-Files theme when Alicia's going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I think in terms of watching this for the first time a couple of days ago, especially being revolutionary in the end of the 2000s, was there's definitely some stuff, especially when Jake is running from like that rhino creature near the beginning of the movie, things like that, where I'm like, all right, well, I think we've done better stuff now. But a lot of like the like, especially stuff with like mm-hmm. Zoe Saldana's character, she gives us like maybe the, the standout performance in the whole thing of mm-hmm. just like a lot of the facial expressions that they're able to do with the motion capture, a lot of the liveliness of the Navi, just so much of like the like up close stuff or just like the wide shots of like the landscapes or the stuff that's like, that's a computer. Yeah. And they, they, they put the actors, um, the Navi actors through alien school where they had to unlearn how to be a human. Right. So like you, you'll see wow. her like walk on all fours sometimes and then jump back to two and like move her head about. And like, she's, you have to like unlearn how to move like a human and move like a, you're, you're more like an animal and it. And like, she really took it to heart. Like she just gave it her right. all like, I, okay, I'm a weird alien. Let's be alien. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the stuff that, uh, that that works so much for this movie is that all these creatures have like you know some type mm-hmm. of like example of like the um those like bugs that spin into sort of just like parachuting type umbrella mm-hmm. where it's like i have an idea of what this is but then like they twist it and they build this whole world i mean they even got a linguist to like create the whole language um yeah like that. but if if you go deep into it though i think he was upset they didn't go with the more uh, uh, like authentic sound. Hmm. They went with like the the movie version sound of the way that the, you say these words or whatever. But mm. they, he did do the work, though. They did create a language, and I think that's partly why Cameron wants to make sequels. It's like we have all these assets. We created a world in the computer. We have this language. We created a language on paper. Uh, like you don't you don't just throw that away after one use. Let's right. <laughs> you don't just you don't not make three more Toy Story movies after you've designed this world. You make three right. more Avatar films. Like why not? Alejandro, you said that you find the movie to be okay. What are the things uh-huh. that stand out to you as things that you're like could <laughs> go without that part? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the I like. In the ending, I feel like it kind of gets rushed uh, a little bit. I don't know how... I've, I haven't seen the, the special edition, so I don't know if they they did a little more with that. But No, no, um, no, no. They, they only added stuff <laughs> to the first half. The, the second right, half's still right. the same. <laughs> right. I definitely... I love the first half a lot more. Like you said, the I love the world building and the setup of it. And then just kind of what they do with it a little bit after is like you know, very uh, normal blockbuster-esque, I guess. And so it kind of, you know, I'm like, okay, I I understand the beats that are going to happen. And then um, 
you know, it kind of ends. But I, I do like that first half a lot more. Uh, and I would love to see that um, city or earth scene that you were talking about. Um, it's not where, much, or, but it's enough to go, oh, right. that's kind of neat. <laughs> right. Like, I kind of right. want to see a movie that takes place here. Because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he like, took the time yeah. to make it very realistic. It's like overpopulated, giant. It's exactly what you imagine the future, like New York to look like or something. Right. And I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of Blade Runner. So, uh, well, I think I it's like raining and dark with like neon. That. So it's, right. <laughs> there it's, go. it's it like, has to be Blade Runner. Um, yeah. Did, did you guys, do you notice that the movie is beat for beat Titanic? <laughs> like it's a lot of Titanic. And then I was, I right. last of the Mohicans, a lot of that, but like, I mean, obviously he's found a formula that works where there's a sex scene in the middle, direct dead center of the film. Right. It fades oh, to black. Sure. And it fades up a different genre than it started. Like, that's exactly this movie and Titanic. We're like, the first half of Titanic is setting up everything good. And the second mm-hmm. half of Titanic is the survival. And the first half of this movie is setting up all the story. And then they fall in love and everything's good. And the second half is survival. Right. Right. I, maybe, I mean, that's what he's best at, Cameron. Um, that is the one thing, though, when watching this movie is now that Disney owns Fox... I don't know if they're going to is Cameron going to be able to be fight for the like the profanity that was used in the first one. And then like smoking mm-hmm. like they don't allow that in Disney movies like ever really. Or, yeah, a sex scene. Um, Did they? Like that. I don't think they cut it. Did they cut the children smoking cigarettes from Who Framed Roger Rabbit on Disney Plus? <laughs> Maybe. I haven't watched it on we, uh, Disney Plus yet. I know there's a warning before the movie that says smoking is bad. OK, but like I wow. think that might be because baby Herman always has a cigar and they couldn't cut that out. Right. Yeah. Because that's like so I, part of his character. And like <laughs> we know that they covered up Daryl Hannah's like butt in <laughs> Splash. So right. I wonder if they cut out the like cigarettes and the the two kids at the back of the red car and they hand eddie valiant a cigarette like did they cut that out they left in some curse words from like you know uh, a couple movies uh, on disney plus so and they have a, a kids version of disney plus it's fox it's fine it's right. fox yeah but it's, especially they're for... still making radio rated r they're making a rated r dare uh you know uh, what's deadpool. his name deadpool, deadpool oh, yeah, right yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the plan um i think that's feige yeah. being like we're making it no yeah. matter what um they might take something like the sex scene from the last one and not let them do that. Maybe that's <laughs> right. maybe that's where Disney will draw the line. Yeah. Hey, homework for all you listening. Uh, go back and watch uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And if they t- if they've taken out the cigarettes, let us know. Yeah, really. But yeah, no, I think the thing that makes Cameron so good at the, the cutting edge technology is that he's able that visual effects is also his downfall. Basically means that he's mm. so good at being able, he's one of the only directors who can able to like fully utilize motion capture technology and make it feel like believable at, in some way. Like these giant 12 foot or 10 feet creatures of the Navi and he makes it feel somewhat believable in some <laughs> way. But the big problem for me is, okay, well I want to make four more of these. Um, we're like, right. Oh, all right. Do you ever notice the Navi have four fingers and the avatars have five Oh, I didn't notice that. That's really smart. Uh, That way, you know which one is because our nervous system has to match up for it. So it has slight alterations. 
Well, that's I, my, it was interesting. I was watching this movie, and then my brother mm. came in about the 30 or 40 minute mark and was like, mind if I join you? And I was like, you are going to be very confused because so <laughs> much of that of the intro is like ex- exposition of like, this is how the Avatar system works. This is who these people are. This is the mining company that we sent here to get the unobtainium. Uh, you know, this guy, he used to be in the military, uh, but his twin <laughs> twin brother died. That's why he's able to do it. And it's like, so he was just sitting there in just complete confusion. And then once we got into like the hair connection part, he was just like, all right, I'm, I'm going back downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I'm sorry. Vin Diesel is in Avatar 2. What? Whoa. Whoa. So, okay. That's one person that I was, that Michelle Rodriguez is basically just playing every character she's ever played. Um, right. In the first, in 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 this in the first Avatar, I I think she's coming back, but it's very much like. Do you think uh, that Vin Diesel will be like, I was her family, and like, <laughs> oh man, the family memes. Let's bring them back once whatever the seed bearer comes out. Yeah. So this sequel's supposed to come out next Christmas, twenty twenty two. I was supposed to come out like July twenty twenty, and then moved back to December twenty twenty one, and then moved to December twenty twenty two. Yes. So, I mean, this is like it's like 19th release date. So, you know, you know, James Cameron is sitting there going like, uh, at least I have yeah. an excuse this time. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Can you imagine a like a scenario in which Chapek comes into the room and says, I'm sorry, James, Jimmy, we're putting <laughs> them exclusively to Disney Plus. And then wow. just the whole situation of him just being like, what? Uh, no, <laughs> I I think it's the other way around, <clears throat> and maybe oh. it's different. <laughs> maybe right. it's different now that Fox is owned uh, by uh, Disney, but James Cameron's company still owns a lot of the rights. I think to Avatar with uh, Lightstorm. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. So um, the reason I, in my head canon, I think the reason that the land at Animal Kingdom at Walt Disney World was delayed is because James Cameron is like, I want more water creatures. I want <laughs> this ride needs more whales and more dolphins. Like I can imagine him being such a perfectionist and they keep going back to the drawing board on that ride over and over and over again. Uh, and I, I feel like Disney somehow agree, like does whatever James Cameron uh-huh. wants. You're right. Because mm-hmm. he's James Cameron, you don't question it. And they had such good success. Like that ride brings people to tears the same way that the movie brought people to tears. Like people right. walk off of the ride, flight of passage, and, and like, I have to go back on it again. I can't I can't go back to the real world. I don't know if you watch mm-hmm. Rick and Morty, but there's a uh, there's a <laughs> moment where it's like, I'll show you real level. And Morty experiences true level and what level is really like. And he's like, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Everything's fl- <laughs> topsy-turvy. That's that's people getting off a flight of passage. I don't want to be in the real world. Put me back in. Put me back in. So, so yeah, yeah. The, they, people like Disney has to do what James Cameron tells them to because mm-hmm. if he does, if they don't, they're not going to make billions of dollars. Like I feel like you just got to do whatever he says until he until he fails, and in which case, okay, right. that's enough. Jimmy. Which hasn't happened. So. <laughs> I mean, exactly. movies he's produced have failed. Oh, he's yeah. lied to us and told us Terminator 4 was going to be good. We believed him. <laughs> <laughs> How many Terminators are there now? Like seven? I can't even remember. I, I don't want to. There's only two. I, there you go. <laughs> three if you count the, 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 the universal attraction. Oh. <laughs> yeah. well, here, so he here's a little bit of a... Con- the Elitum. 
Here's a confession. I uh, I have not been to Pandora, the world of Avatar. I am. Oh, I have yet to go to Animal Kingdom at all, believe it or not. Um, now, Alejandro can probably speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I've I've been to the Avatar world and both rides. Um, and like you said, like we we went on the fir- first ride, the flight passage, and it's all great. And then afterwards we go on the Navi River journey, which is a boat ride. So it doesn't feel as cool as that first one. But um, that first one is probably one of the best rides I've I've ever been on, like theme park rides. It's it might be my favorite ride at Walt Disney World. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the best ride. I think like Haunted Mansion maybe would be my favorite best ride. But like mm. f- as far as experiences go, I'm happiest when I'm on Flight of Passage. Look, I've got a weird smile on my face because I know how silly this all is. I know yes. it's a movie about blue Smurf people. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I understand that, like, the 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 not great tones of the film and the story threads that don't necessarily like right. they don't feel good when you think about them, really. Um, and the idea that like, oh, well, the Navi couldn't protect themselves. They needed this white guy to come save them. I right. get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But at the same time, pretty colors and pretty music. I'm <laughs> right. happy. Like, <laughs> let's let's just break it down to its bare essentials. It makes me happy. Yes. Oh, do you have a since you're a theme park, theme park journalist, do you have like a list of like, no, these are like legit my favorite rides. And then do you have the ones that you use for like they're all great like yeah no it's 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 weird because if i'm being honest and the, the and i've mentioned this before but like transformers the ride 3d is like one of my favorite rides of all yes, time it's fun and it's i hate the transformers movies like i yeah. I, I, I physically <laughs> am revolted by them but that ride it makes me happy yes <laughs> so. just like the mummy ride uh at a whoa the mummy the first mummy's good yeah, the first well, one is, is the ride on the first mummy or the second one? The uh, first one. The first one. It's the first one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But either way, that's a great ride too. <laughs> it's a great ride. <laughs> it's a cheesy movie and a cheesy ride. I think it fits well. Right. But like right. the the there, there's rides that like Spider Man I think is more competently made. But mm-hmm. for some reason, like Transformers has a single rider line. It's easy for me to just walk into the park, go on, at least at Universal Studios Florida, just walk right onto the ride. So within five mm-hmm. minutes of arriving, I am like saving the world <laughs> from the Decepticons. <laughs> and I'm I'm smiling and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm so happy. So in the in Disney World, it's a flight of passage where, you mm-hmm. know. It does. It mixes like all the senses together. It's not just you in front of a screen. It does something Mm -hmm. that no other like flight simulator type ride does. It goes up and down and it Mm -hmm. creates this actual sense of like flying. Well, you actually like feel it like breathing too. the the whatever device you're on has like the little like fake lungs that makes it it's and it's like kind of warm still like it's so. And it mixes together like five different scents. So -hmm. like the second you link with your avatar, you get flooded Mm -hmm. with all these different scents and visual stimuli and audio and wind and water. And it happens so realistically that like as long as you don't turn your head left or right, (laughs) you really feel like you're actually in the world. Well, it's so interesting also that the 
the Pandora world of Avatar opened in 2017. And it feels like that was sort of the perfect place to open it because that was coming right around when people were starting to forget about the movie Avatar mm-hmm. in general. It was like, okay, it's, you know, biggest movie ever. People would not stop talking about it by, in like the very beginning of the 2010s. But then it was starting to die down. And then all of a sudden the park back opens back up and then boom, we're back up again for people mm-hmm. acknowledging how cool this series is. And it was it was done brilliantly because normally when you do a theme park attraction, you base it on the characters in the movie. And mm-hmm. this is one of those situations where it's technically a different area of Pandora. It's not the one in the movie. It's like 80 years after the events of the movie. Right. So no matter like it gives James Cameron so much leeway to make sequels and not have to worry about how it affects the outcome of the land. Whereas you have something like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge where it takes place between two movies and every little detail has to make like match up with the canon of the film series and there's no room for like making up extra stuff and like they're locked in to this tiny little like two week period between two movies. Whereas, you know, like Avatar is like, it's 80 years later, whatever. The the RDA is moved on. They're no longer mining here. Nateria is long dead. Like we could do whatever we want. That's right. that'd be very funny if that's how Flight of Passage starts. Is they just say like, "Natiri's dead. We need <laughs> you." And you're like, "Whoa, what?" <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know. Then we'll see, especially how, how these sequels do. If we even get an expansion of any sort for the park, would you? Was do you have any like concepts of your own, Alicia, that you would put if you could add an expansion to Pandora? You know, if you're in line, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll answer your question in a second. No, you're <laughs> I'm just, I was, I was like drifting off and I'm like, you know, when you're in line at Flight of Passage, you can actually see cave paintings, cave paintings of Jake Sully conquering the big red banshee yeah. uh, and mm. saving the day. And they're fading because it's been so long that that's it's already ancient in the timeline of the land. Um, the, the, the ride already has the water scene includes animals like I, I was joking but it's i'm serious they're they're animals that were created for the sequel so there's already yeah. elements on the ride right. that will appear in the next movie and they almost like because uh, i think they released like a still of an ocean scene or a concept art of an ocean scene and it kind of looks like the ride so like they're they're thinking ahead and that may be partly why you know the movies were delayed so the ride got delayed because uh, they're kind of working on the same thing. and But I, there is room to add something. There was talk for a long time about adding a um, another restaurant, a sit-down table service restaurant, because the quick service there does so well. Uh, but I doubt, like, I don't think that's going to happen now. There was also rumors that, like, they could extend Flight of Passage and add a theater, but it runs really well now, and the line is kind of calmed down. So we could get a third experience one day. Yeah, you think we'll get a $6,000 immersive hotel with no windows? That might be fun. <laughs> I hope not, because I'd actually have to do it. Right. And then, and then knowing me, I'd have to do it more than once. Like, I can, I'm can, i fine without doing the Star Wars hotel. I'm not, like, that big of a Star Wars fan. And the uh-huh. Star Wars I do like doesn't take place during the time period they chose, so it's fine. I'm fine. Like, if they, if they did a Mandalorian hotel, I'd be yeah. like, all right, maybe I got to dish right. out the money. But if they did a Pandora one... I'd be so mad because I'd have to go once a year and that's like $6,000 <laughs> every year to like, oh, time for my yearly visit to Pandora. Right. It would be fun no. to see room service that's 10 feet tall and blue oh, walking God. around. 
<laughs> Your think, cheeseburger, sir. Something for kids to do might might be a good idea. That that area they could use a play area over there. Yeah, Ooh. that'd be sweet. Um, well, I do want to get real quick into uh, a little segment we do where we talk about the differences that happen in terms of the promotions for the stuff that we're talking about. It's the Kids Meal Corner, baby. The Kids Meal Corner. <laughs> so yes. what we do is we, we basically just talk about the differences in the like some of the toys. So here I'll pull it up in the share screen real quick. Um. So we, McDonald's did a Happy Meal, which uh, involved them having Avatar toys from the movie. So we have a Jake, we have an Atir, we have a Banshee, different toys. The cool part about them is that they glow up. They're bioluminescent, just like uh, what we see in the film. <laughs> so Oh, and the Leonopteryx. That's his name. Leonopteryx. Yeah. I wish I the red The red Banshee. The red Banshee. The big guy. Um yeah, so it's really interesting that they were able to have some type of uh, toy with that. The other big thing was is that they were able to do a promotion with, like, a Big Macs, I think it was, so that you were able to do, a, like, it was a website that they had was av- Avatarize Yourself, which encouraged people to go on the website, um, and they could take a, use a photograph of themselves, and they would change it into a Navi, similar to what happens at the beginning of, like, Flight of Passage, but it was more like to create an avatar, pun intended. <laughs> an avatar of your yes an avatar avatar um apparently the strategy worked mcdonald's saw an 18 percent increase using the big mac sales for its avatar campaign um so can't complain about that i guess um and then the other wow. big thing they did is that coca-cola uh collaborated with fox to launch a worldwide marketing campaign um using a website called avtr.com which especially marked bottles of cans of Coke Zero, which had only been about four years old at this point. Coke Zero started in 2005, which is hard to believe. Um, wow. Where you could hold the can in front of a webcam, and then it would enable some type of AR technology where it'd have 3D versions of, like, the guns used by uh, the military companies and uh, all the different weapons and stuff. So, yeah. That's neat. James Cameron... Very like makes movies that are anti-military, but he loves all that cool military stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> like he has like the full size like military exosuit in his house or whatever. He's just obsessed with all these big giant guns and things. But also, war is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, war is bad. Anyway, check out these awesome machines that can pick up a gun. That's ex- yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> yeah. a, a giant gun for my giant war suit. <laughs> giant knife he pulls out a giant knife oh Oh. it's like a cartoon it's so silly i love every minute of it it's it's bonkers and i think that's the the important part really going into it is like oh yeah this is dorky like this is really dorky and then the more you can embrace that the more i think you can have fun with it It, it, that's what i I love about it it's taking something that it, on its surface, like if you were reading the script, you'd be like, this is so silly and doing it the most serious you can, like taking it with such reverence that it's almost religious experience. But also it's really silly if you think about it. I I speaking of toys, I have the shoulder banshee no that I way. bought during the Whoa. preview for the theme park land um i have a blue shoulder banshee that's like a puppet with like a, a wire that you you click and it like opens its mouth and turns its head and flaps its wings um and i even gave her what, what did i name her i always forget it, i know it says a uh which means flower but i actually i she's blue so i named her stewinga says the, the blue flower isn't nice. that 
She's collecting dust on her perch over here because she's way too heavy and big to bring to the theme parks on a regular basis. But I wore her that whole first day and everyone was so obsessed and there was a long line out the door to buy her. And now they're, they're having trouble selling them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I haven't seen those around as much, really. But no, uh, no, no. But they still do sell them. It would, I would be sad if they stopped selling them. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I think they're cool. They have the same one I know in Galaxy's Edge, but it's like with the um, salacious crumb character. The, the monkey thing, yeah. They're um, pretty creepy. I've never seen a single person walk around with that. <laughs> <laughs> not a single person. But probably because they buy it and immediately put it into a glass case because it's not, you don't play with Star Wars toys. Right. Well, yeah. real quick, I wanted to go over sort of the domestic box office of what happened in December 2009 to kind of give you a, uh, a glimpse of what happened. Obviously, Avatar destroyed everything in the theaters for the whole month. Um, I couldn't even see it. That's part of the reason that I just started seeing it was every single time I'd go to the theaters with friends, like, let's go see Avatar, th- like a P- like a voice on the like voiceovers be like, attention, all f- Avatar screens have been sold out for the day. And we'd be like, ah. But the second highest grossing movie of December of 2009, to give you an example of what this year was, was Alvin and the Chickmunks, the Squeakquel. <laughs> now, <laughs> another thing we should also mention is that I believe the third or fourth in, in this franchise um, also came out simultaneously with The Force Awakens. So I don't know what's going on with the Alvin and the Chickmunks people thinking that they have no competition every time they release a movie. <laughs> But they seem to keep putting it up against some of the biggest movies of all time. Like, oh, yeah, no comp. Oh, Avatar. Come on. It's called <laughs> counter programming. You need something for the babies. <laughs> That's true. I um, saw the squeakle in theaters, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's who I am. <laughs> uh, number three is the first Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie made 102. Uh, the Blind Side, uh, which won... Um, uh, I just forgot. Her best picture? No, no, did not win best picture. Um, it won. Uh, what's her name? Sandra Bullock. Dang it. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I've got to cut that out. Well, then you know, if you say you cut it out, then it stays in. Uh, and then Princess and the Frog came out uh, around this time, and also Twilight Saga: New Moon, to give you an example of some of the films. <clears throat> oh, Twilights were actually coming out. I guess that was an apt comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was. It's big. Um, also, around this time, also is when we get the. Robert Zemeckis going back to scary mocap Christmas Carol movie with Jim Carrey. Oh no. Like how can you have that movie and this movie come out the same time, the same year, both using motion capture and one is a terrifying cutscene from a PlayStation video game. And one is an entirely fleshed out lived world that you want to live in. Right. I think that gives an examples of two giant creative heads and them having trust in the technology and also just giving it time. Because Robert Zemeckis but, is like, no, yeah. we're doing it now. And then only makes the scariest. Like, a, apparently that was an IMAX in 3D. I can't imagine seeing that. That would be terrifying. Oh, no. Like a four-story tall, terrifying Jim Carrey monster. Um, <laughs> now, wait. Okay. I, I'd like to get ahead of yourself. It would be 10 years before this is beat as best, like, as highest grossing film of all time, right? Yes. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because Avengers Endgame officially beat it. Right. And both of them yeah. kind of cheap by doing like <clears throat> re-releases um, in different times, especially Avatar did it, I think, in 2020. And like for international box offices that were more open during the pandemic. 
So yes. things like that. So it's like, uh, so in general, yes, uh, uh, Endgame did beat it, but then both of them still do like, uh, it's coming back to theaters, sort of to like kind of nudge, nudge. Let's get some more, let's get some more cash flow on that baby. Now wait a minute. Does that mean yeah. Avatar is technically number one again? It might yeah, be. Yeah, I think Avatar won again for some reason. As of March 2021, yeah. after, yeah, Avatar has taken the top spot. However, adjusted for inflation, Gone with the Wind is actually the most profitable film of all time. That, that makes sense. And that puts Avatar as second place. Wow. If you adjust for inflation, because that one went to theaters like seven times every year. Um, but that's interesting. And I think, yeah, that's I actually haven't rewatched Avatar in years because I'm waiting for the sequel to come out and I'm going to rewatch it like the day before nice. so that it's fresh and I'm ready. But it has been difficult to put off watching this film again <laughs> because they keep putting off the sequel. And I'm like, OK, James, I really want to rewatch this film. And it's been like three years. And you promised me the sequel. Exactly. Well, actually, they're actually shooting the second and the third movie basically back to back. So. Hopefully there's not too much, you know, between those two movies, the two sequels. It's like the Back to the Future sequels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be like just like that, too, where the story connects and you have to, like, watch him back to back to understand. Oh, man. I can you imagine if if Doc Brown shows up? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> In the Sully, future. We got to get you back to he, the future. He shows up just as the Navi version of himself. <laughs> He's got the hair still in the in the jacket. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I did want to mention that I have some concerns about the sequels okay. because there were so many to make that he actually doled out some of the responsibility of writing. He wrote the first one right. and directed it by himself, but he gave the writing positions like the screenplay writing positions to other people. The second one is written by Josh Friedman, writer of such hit films as Terminator Dark Fate and War of the Worlds oh. remake. Uh, oh, this Snowpiercer, is going to be awful. The TV show Snowpiercer. Oh, not the movie? Oh. <laughs> Chain reaction with Keanu Reeves. Like, I'm, I'm slightly concerned. Um... Wait, the other I think the third one, I have to find it. Where's the link? The third one's written by um, the people that wrote the Planet of the Apes reboot. And then we're supposed okay. to write Jurassic World. But then they got it taken away from them. And Colin Trevorrow didn't give them credit. Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> well, that's my thing. I've read about it. Doesn't he have like doesn't Cameron have like a writer's room, like a sitcom to make these <clears throat> to make these sequels yeah they all brainstormed and they and they and he like told them the outline essentially like i could, and i can imagine an intense like meeting with james cameron for six hours where he he just acts out an entire film and then you have to go write what he just told you um which is something hitchcock used to do like north by northwest hitchcock's like uh, i wanted to start here then here and then we're on mount rushmore make it make sense <laughs> right <laughs> Well, that's uh, definitely a thing I've, I've read uh, slash film dot com. A lot of different articles that I'm I've, I've got on my notes. They're talking about how much he's trying to get to the root of what made the first one successful, which was the story. Is it, though? I don't know if I, Cameron knows what he's talking about. I'm sorry. Rick, Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, the writing partners who originally wrote Jurassic World before it was Jurassic World. Man. 
Um, but they they were responsible for, you know, the Caesar, the whole Planet of the Apes thing uh, and why that was successful. So I think they're Did they write writers. all all three of them? Uh, or was it just. What was the first one? I think uh, Rise. the first one was Rise. Yes. Rise of the yeah. Planet of the Apes. They wrote uh, and produced okay. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. They wrote and produced War of the Planet of the War. Apes. They did not write. Okay. They gotcha. only produced. I was going to say those have a good example of good motion capture because I think those even get better. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, these these apes look looking good. I It's funny to me. Like, why are they writing the third one and not the second one? Why is this guy? Why right. is the Terminator Dark Fate guy writing it? I don't know. Well, I also don't me. know why Cameron thought an idea to call one of them the Seed Bearer was a good idea. Um, <laughs> or the way, like, some of these titles, I'm like, what is he thinking? But the again, don't, don't, don't bet against Cameron, you know? Wait, they have names? <laughs> they have, yes. uh, so here are the sequel names according to Cameron. This is from IndieWire. Um, the Way of Water, The Seed Bearer, The Tolkien Writer, and the quest for Ewa, or Ewa, excuse me. <clears throat> Again, my Navi is pit a bit rushed. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, this is again. <laughs> but again, we're gonna we're, we're gonna watch these in theaters and be like, "Wow, the seed bearer think... was so good." Oh no! They've also changed around the names for a bit. I think they, I remember them having different names for a bit. For sure. I don't like. I'm looking at the cast listings for these sequels, and I and I'm like, "Is this a spoiler?" I think this is a spoiler. Knowing who's in it is automatically a spoiler. Like, there's a lot of the dead characters listed here. Um, that's right. all I'm saying. Is it flashbacks? Or are they coming back? We don't know. Well, it's a prequel if, maybe. If what's his face can fix his face, right? Uh, he even says, you know, when we get back, we can get your legs fixed up. See, you see, the the main character is too poor to actually get his legs fixed. Right. Um, so like if the world is in a place where you can move your consciousness to an avatar and you can repair someone's spine and you can get scars removed, why can't you come back to life after you died? <laughs> or why can't you have a backup clone or, you know, there, or maybe it's just more twins. Like he, he lost his twin brother. Maybe all the characters that died in the movie have a twin. There's yeah. There, yeah. Right. Uh, Giovanni Rabisi is seen in, in in shame going back onto the ship, so he didn't die. He can come back, right? Yes, he can finish his golf game finally. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we're honestly we're just gonna have to wait and see because right now I think all of our speculation is gonna have to be you know proven wrong. Um, I wouldn't bet against him. Never, never bet against James Cameron. That's true, and 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 it's easy to make fun of him. But he's the one laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Any closing thoughts as we close our Avatar talk? <laughs> James Cameron doesn't do what James Cameron does for James Cameron. <laughs> Someone make a T-shirt of that and James sell Cameron it on T-Bone. James Cameron does what James Cameron does because he is James Cameron. Exactly. Uh, Alicia, this has been a lot of fun. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. Um, oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, well, you are Thank a guest you. on our show, so we def so we have a prize for you, um, a prize. Uh, so we have a poster of Avatar. I try to find one of the goofier ones available online. Uh, so I will. <laughs> this is yours. It's coming at some point. Uh, it's in transit. So I'll, I'll make sure you get this uh, Avatar poster uh, your way. Wow, that's actually pretty cool. 
Yeah. Um, anything you want to promote while you're here? Um, check me out on the YouTube's theme park stop. Uh, I post news and rumors for theme parks around the world, but mostly Universe Orlando. Epic Universe is still happening, people. It's it it always was. <laughs> mm. uh, awesome. Yes. Uh, everyone check out her stuff. She's amazing mm. at her job. It's scary. Uh, how how accurate she is every time um but yeah thank you so much um yeah if, if you like what you've heard you can follow us at most extreme pod on twitter and instagram and if you have any questions you can email us at most extreme podcast at gmail.com and we will see you next week